0: All right,
1: so, Matt, why does Waldo always wear a striped shirt? You know, every time you see him, he's Mm -hmm. got the red and white striped shirt on. Do you know why he always wears that? No. He sure doesn't want to be spotted.
2: (laughs) That's terrible.
1: Where's Waldo joke? Come on. (laughs) Who else has a where's Waldo joke? Oh, my
0: God. Okay.
1: Hey, man, I'm, I'm good. Good. Doing good. Good. So uh, before we get into it, I want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that uh, I guarantee you, you're going to find something on there you like. And we're proud to be members of the Podbelly Network. They also have some information out there about podcasting uh, that was collected from podcasters, if you're interested in that. Um, Go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales. If you want to sign up to become a patron, we do three different levels and our $10 a month patrons. They get the video version of every episode we record. And if we have an ad for that week, we started putting out ad free versions. Now this week we don't have an ad in the show. So this week there won't be an ad free because the main episode is ad free. Uh, but yeah. if we have an ad, it'll go up on Patreon for our $10 a month. Um, and we also do bonus episodes every week. We try to put out a bonus episode with a video. And every one of our levels gets the audio version of it. The 5 and $10 get the video version as well of the bonus episode. And then, like I said, our $10 get all of that plus the video version of the main episode and all that kind of stuff. So go check it out, patreon.com slash graveyard tales if you're interested.
2: Yeah, I mean it's really cool and sometimes we uh we do shows that extend what we talked about on the main episode, maybe it digs into a particular aspect of it. In fact, mm-hmm. we're doing that later tonight. Um we're going to be uh doing a bonus episode uh on uh that that follows up from our hypnosis episode. So, you know, check that out if you enjoyed that show. I know you're going to enjoy the follow-up, deeper dive. So uh, check that out. It's a it's a great time to do it. We've got tons of bonus material there.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you'll enjoy it. That's right. But Matt, that's all I got. So why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight, brother?
2: Okay, so tonight we're we're looking at at, at, a, at a haunted uh, house essentially. Um, that is a private residence. It's not one of these that. Sitting empty and the tours go through. And these folks live there. Okay. The interesting thing about this that Adam and I were discussing uh before we uh started recording was that we weren't finding a whole lot of history behind this place. And when you when you start looking into the the reports, you realize that there's only been reports for about the last year um so it is a fairly i I don't new may not be the 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 best term but you know as far as haunted stories then yeah it's it's a new haunting Mm -hmm. um we've got a little bit of evidence that this place had some activity prior to but the current owners are really celebrating it um and what we're talking about is the henry levy house in oxnard california Mm -hmm. and you know this this place came up and and adam said let's let's look at talking about this place so we we started doing some research and like i said there's not a lot of history i mean this is an old house i mean it's it's over 100 years old um so it's a place that you would think if if you were gonna stroll through this neighborhood in Oxnard, and you were thinking, oh, I wonder if any of these houses are haunted, the first one you'd pick was the one that's over a hundred years old,
1: right? <laughs> right.
2: There we don't have a bunch of stories from the fifties and sixties of of people having paranormal experiences there. They're all coming from about the last year, so it, it's it's interesting, but the activity. That these current owners have been experiencing is is quite interesting. It it has it seems to have flared up quite a bit, and they're they're doing some. They've been doing some renovation over the last year, and it's curious to think you know, have they awoken something um, by doing this renovation? That's well, kind of what I'm thinking. But anyway, um, I think you're going to enjoy this because it. Um, it led to me finding some other things about the town of Oxnard, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, so we So we're going to talk bonus. about that too. Yeah, yeah we're going to talk about that too. Um, but we're going to start with the Henry Levy house. So Adam, why don't you uh, tell us about it?
1: All right. So as we always say, go check our sources down at the bottom of the show notes. You can find the links to where we found the information or the books that we used or whatever. It'll be down in the show notes, down at the very bottom of the show notes. So go check that out. Um, and yeah, my history part is going to be more brief than other episodes, because, like matt said the the history is just not out there, and what we were discussing before uh the mics were hot is when a house is kind of like the henry levy house it's it's newer to the realm of haunted places then people haven't really had any need to deep dive into the history part of it. So I feel right. like in a couple years, we can revisit this and find a lot more information that the current owners then went out and dug up the history of and put it into a place where we can find it. Um, and one other thing that I'll say is We decided to do this topic, then come to find out our good buddy there, Zach Bagels, had already been to this place. So recently. Yeah, I hate it when we do that, but we're. (laughs) He beat us to a place again. But anyway. (laughs) Um,. The Henry Levy House is located at 155 South G Street in Oxnard, California, and it's part of the Henry T. Oxnard Historic District in downtown Oxnard, California. And like Matt Matt mentioned a little bit ago, they make sure to state in a few places, this is a private residence. Please do not Mm. disturb. Right. Yeah. Drive by it and look at it if you want to, but don't just go up to the door and say, hey, I hear you got ghosts. Let me in. (laughs) Then they're not going to do it.
2: In fact, don't do that anywhere. Right, right. That's
1: (laughs) probably just a blanket statement. Don't walk up to somebody and go, I hear you got ghosts. Let me come in. I want to look for them. I got me a recorder here. Um. Now, this says that it was built for the Levy family in 1914 by architect Homer Glidden, and apparently it's one of the few houses designed by this guy. He designed other things, but this is one of the few houses that they actually got him to design. Now, the main house is approximately 4,794 square feet with 18 rooms, and it sits on a triple-wide lot of 21,000 square feet. So for California, that is a ginormous place. Um, I have not been to Oxnard, but in the areas that I have been in California, there's not that much space. (laughs) Yeah, uh -uh. uh-uh. Now, there are many original features still existing in the house, including the moldings and the light fixtures, and they say that the house is a hybrid of the craftsman and Tudor styles of architecture. Now, the Henry Levy house is an outstanding example, this says of a two-and-a-half-story craftsman shingle-style house with Tudor influences. Henry Levy, who the house is named after, is, was the brother-in-law of Akil Levy, who was the founder of the Bank of A. Levy, which apparently was a, a big thing in California. The Bank of A. Levy was real big there in California for uh, quite a while. Um, but Henry Levy was a bean broker and shipper.
2: Bean broker.
1: Yeah, that does not mean he was a, a breaker of beans. He didn't just get a bean and break it. Uh, they were yeah. already broken when he got them. Exactly. So <laughs> he, he made them broker. Um, now he It's like being a stock broker or whatever. He was a bean broker and shipper. Now, a couple little fun facts about the Henry Levy House. In 1996, the television show Melrose Place filmed three episodes at this house for its fifth season. And the house was used as the Bel-Air home of Dr. Dan Hathaway, played by actor Greg uh, Evagun. I don't know how you pronounce his yeah, last name. Yeah, that's it. Um, and in 1997, the house was used in the made-for-TV movie What We Did That Night, also known as Murder at Devil's Glen, starring Ricky Schroeder. So, yeah. if you've seen either of those, like uh, Melrose Place episodes or the um, what we did that night, you have seen the Henry Levy house. Now, briefly, we'll look at the Levy family. And Akil Levy settled in Ventura County, California, from Mommenheim, Bass Rhine, France, in the early 1870s. I know I said that wrong. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. Like I've said before, the Texas tongue, it gets all twisted. Now, his wife's brother, uh, Henry Levy, came from Paris, France, and joined him in business, including starting a furniture store in Santa Barbara and establishing a brokerage business before the turn of the century and became one of the outstanding grain and bean dealers in Southern California. They became major leaders in the growth of the city of Oxnard and its surrounding territories. So, because Matt has some interesting stuff on Oxnard as well, um, we need to briefly look at Oxnard a little bit. Now, the city of Oxnard was officially incorporated in 1903 with a vision of being like a European town site that was centered on a public square. So, Oxnard was supposed to be kind of modeled after a European city. And this public square would be today's Plaza Park there in Oxnard. When 1907, the city's regional location and economic potential compelled steel tycoon Andrew Carnegie to fund the construction of the Carnegie Art Museum, formerly the Oxnard Public Library. It was followed by the construction of Plaza Park Pagoda in 1910. Uh, Together, the Plaza Park and museum became cornerstones of downtown Oxnard's civic and commercial activities. Well, Oxnard's founder, Henry T. Oxnard, intended to name the city after the Greek word for sugar. He wanted to name it after the Greek word for sugar. Says, finally, frustrated with trying to communicate his desires to the state bureaucrats, he gave up, and he just named the city after his family.
2: Adam, what is the Greek word for sugar? Don't know. Um, I didn't look it up. I did. Okay, and uh, it's all Greek to me. But um, bump. No, that was all set up. I did, I did, for I that did joke, look it up, and and of course it's written in Greek, and I I I don't know. Um, but it it looks like the um, if you tr- semi translate it over to English, it looks like Zachariah.
1: Hmm. Well, we do have, I know for a fact, we do have a couple of Greek people in our Facebook group. So when this episode oh. drops, please tell us what the Greek word for sugar is and how to pronounce it, if you could.
2: Okay. Here's another thing because I thought this looks familiar. So here's another one where the question says, What is the ancient Greek word for sugar? Aspartame. And uh, close. Oh, dang. Saccharon. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like so yeah. you just, you know, it was the pink packets, not the, <laughs> not the blue one. Yeah. I went so. the
1: wrong color packet.
2: <laughs> S-A-K-K-H-A-R-O-N is what this says. And this is from, uh, I'm not even going to tell you what website this is. It's like pubmed.ncbi, um, says that the ancient Greek word for sugar is saccharon. Um, and it says the Greeks directly borrowed from the popular vernacular word shocker, S H A K K E R, and it was Hellenized as saccharon I love saying that.
1: I know. It's Sakcharon. Can well, you imagine?
2: That's why that's why he wanted to name it that is because he wanted to be able to say that. Where do you live, Henry? I live in Saccharon.
1: That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good I mean, it would be I'm, if they're wanting to make it like a European town center, that would have been a great Name for it, yeah, rather than Oxnard, Swedish sweetest city on the west coast. (laughs) Yeah, see, they would have great taglines and stuff. It's too bad that the uh, city officials and the state bureaucrats couldn't understand what it because that would be great. Now it's like, where do you live? Oh, I live on Oxnards. So remember in the nineties what (laughs) Nards were. So these are Oxnards. I'm sorry, Oxnard, California, <laughs> but. Oh, God. I'd, I'd rather Oxnard. it be Saccharon than Oxnard.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> right in the Nards. Yeah, right in the Oxnards. <laughs> I bet they're big, though. Anyway.
2: <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, like basketballs. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not Rocky Mountain oysters, that's uh, (laughs) California. Well, California probably, anyway, we'll keep moving. Uh, This says that the earliest inhabitants of the Oxnard areas were the Chumash Indians who lived uh, in round thatched houses and were known for their well-constructed plank canoes and fine basket work. So after a number of Spanish explorations, Jose de Galvez, utilizing powers bestowed upon him by King Charles III, appointed Father Junipero Serra to head missions in Alta, California. Mission San Buenaventura was the halfway point between San Diego and Monterey missions and was established in 1782. Pueblo life and sprawling uh, ranches began to spring up around the site of the mission and California families exerted their influence until the state of California was added to the Union in 1850. Now, in the mid-19th century, immigrants began to pour in from the East Coast and Europe. Well, about a century ago, Hollywood cinematographers and location scouts were attracted by the beauty of Oxnard's beaches. In fact, it was in 1921 that Paramount Studios found Oxnard's sprawling coastline to be the perfect standing for the Egyptian desert. So one of the most notable motion pictures of its time, Rudolph Valentino's *The Sheik*, was filmed here.
2: Yeah. Uh, Other and and Valentino had a as a a beach house there in Oxnard.
1: Yep. Which is probably he was like, man, I live here. This is beautiful. It looks like a desert. Let's come out here and Mm -hmm. so now other Hollywood studios and stars were soon to follow. Clark Gable bought a home in Oxnard. Charlie Chaplin. Headed to Oxnard when he needed a a respite from his busy schedule. Most notably, John Wayne made fishing his sport while vacationing in Oxnard. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, Oxnard, for those of us not in California, you know of Oxnard, you've heard it, but Mm -hmm. you don't really know why you know it or whatever. But come to find out, this area is used in a lot of movies, older movies. And it's where some of these movie stars and stuff move to to get away from
2: Hollywood right yeah to get to get further away from the just I'm sure the maddening bustle of the burgeoning Hollywood mm-hmm. scene um you know they just we got we gotta get out of the city yeah um I've been and, to Hollywood
1: and I can understand why even Hollywood actors don't want to be in Hollywood. I mean, I, I can understand. There's too much going on. I Yeah. You can yeah. barely find a place to park. And this was four years ago, five years ago that we went. It, it's been several years. And it was, I can only imagine how busy it is now. It gets busier every year, but it was crazy then.
2: Okay. So like I said at the beginning of the show, owners Eric Andrist and Jeff Rizzo, who are the current owners, like we said, it's a private resident. Um, they embrace not only the history of their home, but they embrace the paranormal side of it as well. Um, now Eric has, has kept a, a blog, uh, and a, and a video diary along with the rest of the website that details, um, everything about, uh, the Henry Levy house. Uh, he has gone so far as to invite other paranormal investigative groups to come in and check it out. But Eric says when they moved in, they were there for about six months and nothing happened, hmm. or at least he says that we noticed. Right? You know, right. we we didn't notice anything, so we don't we don't think anything happened for about six months. But he says then, and this was January of 2022. Um, a prior owner of the house wanted to remove a stone marker that they had brought from their family homestead in the Midwest, and they wanted it back, okay? Now, he says marker. It looks like a headstone, but not exactly. I mean, it's not something you would look at and you go, that looks like a headstone. There's nothing about it that says it is a headstone, but either way, they wanted it back. And this thing is not small. And so Eric said when the, when the construction crew uh, showed up and started jackhammering this thing out of the ground, um, things started to happen. It says yeah. the first day after the construction crew left, it was the middle of the night, they were uh, awakened by someone walking on the third floor above their bedroom. And Eric says, it sounded like hard-soled shoes walking on wooden floors. And he said he tried to grab his cell phone and start videotaping, but he had left it downstairs. So he said, him and Jeff just just laid there listening in disbelief. (laughs) He said, and and it finally stopped. Now, you can imagine, I mean, we've all heard stuff in our houses, okay? Right. I hear stuff all the time. I ignore 99% of it. Sure. Okay. But when you hear something that is so distinct, it makes you wake up and go, that sounds like somebody walking with hard sole shoes on the floor above us. I
1: wouldn't have been able to keep laying there. I would have had to have gone and checked it out.
2: And that's that's the thing. We hear the whole footsteps above you or on the floor outside of a room. We hear that with haunted places a lot. Uh My contention is always, you can tell the difference between footsteps and a house settling. You know, footsteps will have a cadence and a pattern and you can even follow them. You know, they're going to sound like they're getting closer or further away. Um, So you can really, you can tell the difference. And so Eric and Jeff obviously were able to tell the difference in this event. So they said a few weeks passed before the construction crew came back and they didn't have any other disturbances in between that time. It says when they came back that same night, they heard it again. And this time there was banging that went along with it. And you could hear it move down the hall to the other side of the house. Huh. And they they have this on video, okay? And you can go to uh, henrylevyhouse.com, and you can see the videos that they've posted. They also have a YouTube channel that you can see even more videos. Um, so you can hear it. And, you know, if it if it's fake, you know, they they did a good job faking it. I don't believe it's fake. Yeah, I believe okay. I don't know what it is, but it whatever it is, it's happening, and you know they're shocked by it. Right? It says, but once the stone was removed, the noises stopped, and so things were quiet for a while. But then in June of last year, June of 2022, Eric says he came downstairs very early in the morning and found one of the back doors hanging wide open. Now, the interesting thing about this is that Eric says, I knew I had checked it carefully the night before because I always do. So I was concerned that someone had broken into the house. He said he looked around and nothing had been disturbed. So he says, I pulled up the security camera footage from an outside camera that faces the door. Okay. Sure enough, you can see the door open by itself. Hmm. And he says this is particularly unnerving since to open that door, you have to undo an electronic deadbolt that automatically locks after 15 seconds. Oh, wow. And then you have to turn a separate door handle to open the door. So it's a two-step process. You have to undo the electronic deadbolt. Then you have to reach and turn the door handle to actually open the door. So there's really no way that this door could have just opened on its own. Now I've watched this video multiple times. I made Amanda watch it. I made Amanda watch it without telling her what she was watching. Okay. I knew cause I had already read about it. I knew, and I was looking for it. I just told her to watch it and she goes, well, you can see a hand right there. And I said, Exactly. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what they say. They say upon closer viewing you can see something that looks like a hand reaching out and pushing the door open, and then you see a black mist fly out the door. Um that's so without any kind of description, without me directing her gaze, that's what she noticed when the door opens. Is that she goes, You can see the hand right there. And yeah. I said, That's exactly what they're saying. Um so it was interesting to me that Amanda saw that and keyed in on it without me saying anything. Right. Which that,
1: um, that shows you how um, noticeable it is, because there's a lot yeah. of stuff that if you know what you're looking for, you can pick it out. But I I mean, even for me and you who have watched hundreds of hours of this kind of stuff, their stuff will miss
2: because we're like, now, what are you talking about? What moved? What? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like, you know, listen to this EVP. And then it's (laughs) like, doesn't that sound like it's saying your mother sews socks in hell? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Okay, whatever. You know, but once we implant that in your brain, then you can hear it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Similar to what Adam's talking about. If I tell you, look right here, what do you see? I think I see a hand. What are you going to do? Look and try to make it a hand. Sure. Yeah. Didn't do that with Amanda and she saw it. Okay? Now, Eric goes on to say that the door locks automatically and if there's any wind at all, he said it blows the door shut, not open. So, hmm. you know, that that's even more even more uh credibility to this is that this this door and you can see it the way it opens. Uh, I understand what he's talking about. That if, if the wind was to pick up and blow, it's not going to blow this door uh, to where it blows open. It's going to push it closed. Right. Now, when the door opens, the security light, the auto uh, security light, turns on. Um, he makes a point that says the security, it comes on much, much brighter. Um, I don't think so. I think it looks that way on the video because the, the camera obviously has some type of night vision um, component. Right. And so if you've, if you've ever recorded anything with a night vision setting, what, what you notice is that the, the, sh- the, the shutter speed and the aperture and everything adjusts to the available light. And when you, when you introduce a sudden bright light, the first thing you see is this, wah, mm-hmm. it's like the sun has come up. And then as the aperture adjusts, the light goes back to where it would typically be. Um, So that's what I thought I was seeing as far as the light goes. But with the light coming on, it does make it a little bit easier to see the door and move. And, I, and look, these are some, you know how you find footage like this and it's always grainy? It looks like they recorded it in the 1950s and you're like, mm-hmm. what the hell kind of camera were they using? Not these. Okay. It looks like they've got some pretty high quality security cams in HD. I mean, it's it's a clear picture. So yep,
1: that's good. So That yeah, it's will come pretty, in handy cool. for the future too.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, as I said, Eric and Jeff routinely document their encounters and have invited paranormal investigation groups to help capture evidence. Now, in October of 2022, multiple events were captured on camera during essentially a ghost tour, which was done by them with, you know, some other folks. Right. There is a camera positioned on the second floor, which provides a view of the staircase and the landing, as well as the bathroom door. Now, there are times during the video where you can see the entire group gathered at the top of the staircase, but otherwise the area is it's void of movement of any kind. The variety a variety of sounds were also captured on this video, but most intriguing is that you can see the bathroom light turn on when the space under the door becomes illuminated says the group claims that no one was upstairs at the time to have flipped the switch. Huh. Yeah. I mean, and you don't see anybody go in or out of right. the bathroom. Um, so, yeah, it, that, that's kind of weird. I noticed the bathroom door, the bathroom light coming on. I just thought maybe it's got another entrance or the video skips. So, I just didn't see whoever it was go in.
1: Mm,
0: yeah.
2: And then you see yeah. the light turn on. Now, according to the, the notes for that particular video, no one was upstairs to have hmm. gone into the bathroom. Well, that's cool. Now, the sounds appear to be a fairly common occurrence now. And, and Jeff and Eric have posted multiple videos on their YouTube channel with sounds that range from disembodied voices, coughs, grunts, whooshing sounds, knocking, and this strange ringing that sounds like a cross between a tiny handbell and microphone feedback, okay? That's weird. So, so, you know, like the little the little bell that would be on, like, some wealthy person's nightstand to call the, mm-hmm. the butler. Okay, and then it's this weird screechy along with it that sounds like feedback, and that happens multiple times in the video that I'm describing. But it, it's happened more often than that, um, according to what I read.
1: You know, it it always makes me wonder, because we, we've seen, not that exact tone, but we've seen something similar to that several times where it's just this weird noise. It's like mm-hmm. white noise or something that happens out of nowhere, and uh. Scott and Forrest have a good example of that on one of their files that they've got. Mm-hmm. And you can't decipher what's being said in there, if anything is being said, but what is that? Like, is that a an attempt at communication and that's the only audible thing that we get is those frequencies? Or, you know, I'm always... Fascinated by that because people will say, "Well, it's it's a uh, a glitch in the recorder." Maybe, but if it happens multiple times with different cameras, different audio sources, then mm-hmm. it can't be the same glitch in all of these. Right? It's very very unlikely to be the same glitch in all of these. So, what what is that phenomenon?
2: Yeah, and and how common are glitches right. in the in, in this equipment anyway? Right. I mean, you know, I've got electronics that I've used without fail for years. And for one of them to just randomly throw a glitch out there that um made me think that there was something paranormal going on, it would mm. be a, it would be so obscure. Right. Um I mean, I that I, I wouldn't even consider a glitch. Uh, at least not on the front end. Right. You know, so I'm sure there's been glitchy stuff that has caused somebody to go sure, oh, oh, that's they're communicating from the other side, and that's what it sounds like when they do it. Okay. And and it may very well be a glitch, but I don't think they're that common.
1: No. They shouldn't be. But I I'm just always wondering what is that? Why and I think it's probably just the fact that we can't hear as much of the audio spectrum as right. other animals can like right. maybe to a dog they can pick up actual voices and saying something but all we're catching is this weird yeah. thing that's happening so yeah. yeah that's what when you you were talking about the the weird sounding like feedback and a bell ringing that's kind of where my head went is mm-hmm. what is trying to be communicated here Mm-hmm. And why are we only catching that part? And I think it's just our inability to hear more of the spectrum than we do.
2: Yeah, it, it's kind of strange. And, and you know, that, I mean, you and I have, have experienced this multiple times where my ears are not good enough to pick up something, but this microphone is.
1: Sure, yeah.
2: And there's stuff going on that I don't hear um but the microphone picked it up mm-hmm. and i think that that occurs in these investigations too yeah where these higher end recorders and these high end um audio receivers and microphones and so forth they they're so sensitive that they pick up other noises that's good and bad okay it's it's good because i mean you know ghosts typically don't scream and tell you, hey, my name is Joe and I died. You know, right. I don't that doesn't happen. Okay. Um, but also if it's picking up just routine noises that you don't register, then you may go, Oh, we we didn't even hear this. Listen mm-hmm. to this. And yeah, you know, it could be a bird landing on the windowsill. Yeah, or the refrigerator so, or something. Yeah. So it's it's good and bad in that respect. Now, Jeff and Eric also point out that even though their first experience directly coincided with the removal of the stone marker from the yard, they were renovating the electrical wiring in the home at that same time. And how many times have we been discussing a haunted location where renovation seems to stoke the fire mm-hmm. of paranormal activity? I mean, it happens quite often.
1: Yeah, It puts it in a liminal space Yeah, because it's between finished state so
2: yeah and uh and as adam mentioned um our our old our old buddy zach uh, bagans did uh visit uh the henry uh, henry levy house during the the season finale of ghost adventures from just this past november so not not really even three months ago this episode aired um and and at the at the beginning of the show Uh, the couple are discussing their experiences with Zach while sitting in the yard. Zach comments that the hauntings could be related to the Lee. Is it Levy or Levy? I, i I think I've said it both ways during this one, but
1: I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure,
2: but I, I think it's, I think it's Levy would be the correct way.
1: Um, I said but, Henry Levy until you said Levy, and then I went with Levy. So.
2: <laughs> You're like, well, Matt must know. Actually, Matt does not know. Hey, um, I, I can't. I, I can't even recall what they said on the Ghost Adventures show. If
1: Levy is wrong, I'm wrong because you said it, so I'm blaming That's
2: right, you. Yeah, blame me. So anyway, so he, Zach says that the hauntings could be related to the the Levy sisters who previously lived in the home. But I couldn't find any information on the sisters themselves. Right. Um, but Zach also interviews Jeff and Eric's neighbor, Marina, and her daughter, Rafaela Ramirez. Now, Marina has lived in this home for quite some time. And in fact, uh, Rafaela and her sister Louise grew up in the house. And Rafaela says that the owner of the house just prior to Jeff and Eric was one of her high school teachers Hmm. and that as a child, she and her sister would visit the Henry Levy house quite often. Louise says that at some point they just stopped going to the third floor because there was so much activity. You know, Louise describes feeling chills uh when they went up to the third floor and having the sensation that someone was already up there
1: it's a weird feeling
2: and so as as much as i say take these shows with a grain of salt um that is the this is the part of the show that i really like is when we're we're interviewing people that have had experiences there yeah um, when, when they're telling, cause you can tell when they're talking, you know, these are regular people. They're not actors. Um, you can tell when they're telling a story and, and they're thinking back and you can kind of see them reliving some of these moments. Um, you know, I, I, put more credence in that than I do the actual investigation,
1: yeah. you know, because Damn.
2: at the end of the day, these shows are entertainment. And if it was just mm-hmm. them standing around waving microphones and, emf you know readers and stuff you'd be like yeah this is dumb well, you know
1: why why would we do this i've said it several times if they filmed a ghost hunting show that was a hundred percent like most ghost hunting shows or ghost hunting trips nobody would watch it that's because right because <laughs> most of the time it's a bunch of people standing around talking into the air with no responses And I would say 50% of the time or more, nothing happens. Yeah. So they're, you know, not saying that all these shows are faked. I'm saying that things are exaggerated and their reactions and stuff are exaggerated from what a normal ghost hunters reaction would be for your entertainment. Yeah. So,
2: but, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a beautiful home. Um, over 100 years old i mean it's very picture i can see why uh there's been you know television episodes and movies um using the house as 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 a resonance for a character right um because it's really cool uh and on top of that you know it's got a little bit of haunted history so um but like we said at the beginning of the show this is new Everything I have described, uh, with the exception of uh, Raffaella and Louise's um, uh, childhood experiences in the house, has happened within the last year. Right. Okay? So there's not uh, just story upon story upon story. Now, it could have very well have been going on. Previous owners may have decided either I don't believe in this and I'm not going to believe in this and I'm going to ignore it, or they took the path of this is some really weird stuff happening in this house. I'm not going to tell anyone, about, mm-hmm. at least not officially. Right. You know, I'm, you know, I may tell some friends, you know, it's, I mean, look, I never told anybody officially about anything that happened at my house until we did it on this show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as official as that could possibly be, <laughs> um, but, you know, Zach Bagans isn't calling me wanting to go and check out my house. Right. Um, so, you know, there there might have been a 50, 60 year history of paranormal activity um, and nobody talked about it. But now Eric and Jeff are talking about it mm. and they're documenting it and, and they're they're embracing it to the point that I I, I told Adam I I've, I've put him I put a tag on this to go back and check periodically and see updates from yep. them and it will be interesting over the next few years what kind of experiences they continue to have.
1: That's what I was saying um, before we turn the mics on. Is I think we it would probably behoove us to do a follow up episode. On mm-hmm. this house in a couple three years, and see what documented activity is now out there versus this one. We could do right. a, a compare and contrast type episode because mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to bet you that within the next two years they put out quite a bit of. Mm-hmm information on it especially if just in the year that they've been documenting documenting it it has several accounts already that's right nothing major right. nothing huge but it it's like Matt said we're kind of in on the ground floor of this haunted house this yeah. it's yes it's an old house but nobody's really been documenting so Graveyard Tales is one of the first here to <laughs> discuss the Henry Levy, Henry Levy, Henry Levi, whatever you want to call it, house. Yeah. And that's why we don't have as much as we normally do on these houses that people have been documenting hauntings for 50 years. So, yeah. Yep. Let's hope we can do yep. a follow up and get some good information on the follow up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know a lot of times when Adam and I get into researching a haunted location, we come across a lot of information about the surrounding area, um, whether it's the town, you know or the itself, or you know maybe the the countryside has some history. The land itself may have been a site of um, you know Native American burials or a really bloody battle in the Civil War, something like that. Um, and it, and it becomes even more interesting, and it that's where we talk about you know falling down these rabbit holes because we're chasing a you know something else, um, but we wind up learning something new. And I mean, we've come up with some other shows because of that. Oh yeah, researching one topic and and learn something about a new one, um, and and that happened with with this. Um, I learned quite a bit about the town of Oxnard. And that not only does the Henry Levy house um, have some paranormal activity, so does the rest of the town of Oxnard.
1: Yeah. cool.
2: yeah. And there's an, uh, a, a paranormal investigator and author there in Oxnard. He's, he's also uh, called a ghost storyteller. His name is Richard Sennett. Okay. Um, and, Sennett says that he knows about more than 40 ghost sightings in the area, and he shares some of these stories in the Never 30 uh, podcast, which is uh, produced by the Ventura County Star. Hmm. And so I grabbed a few of these because they were interesting. And so one of these was Infeliz Maria, which has been spotted twice. In the area. Now, the legend for this one is that there was a woman who wanted to be beautiful in the eyes of her lover, so she made a deal with the devil to make her beautiful in the eyes of her rich boyfriend. Mm. Now, the devil told her that he would grant her wish if she killed her three children. Now, according to the legend, when she did that, the devil gave her the head and hooves of her boyfriend's favorite horse. I don't know what the significance is of that, <laughs> but, I don't, I don't. but that obviously wasn't the deal. Um, but this says that the, the spirit the, of In, Infeliz Maria um, lures young women into a life of sin. Okay. And, and Senate uh, describes this legend in the More Ghost Stories podcast episode. Uh, Senate says that two people claim to have seen a woman in La Colonia wearing old style dress with the head of a horse and hooves for hands.
1: That's just weird, man.
2: So, um, weird. I, I guess by, by making her like his favorite horse. He made her beautiful in his eyes um i guess that's where she was going when i first read it i thought what did he cut the heads and the who the head and the hooves off this horse and gave it to yeah.
1: him you think, here's you
2: know, the here's a present no, it's a box with no, a horse he, head and hooves he turned her into a right human horse hybrid right which is <laughs> i mean that's I, that's even even weirder yeah, in my I, opinion. I don't know
1: how to feel about that
2: And the fact that there have been two sightings of a woman with the head of a horse and hooves for hands. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, This next one, this next one is good because this goes along with a lot of legends that we see in other towns. In fact, Nashville, just outside of Nashville, we've got something similar to this too. Um, Senate tells us the story of, the damaged and bloody man that wanders near the railroad tracks on Gonzales Road in Oxnard. Now, nurses from St. John's Hospital reported seeing the man who looks like he's been hit by a train. Now, most of the time in this story, it's a headless guy or something like that. This guy looks like he's been mangled by a train.
1: I can't imagine what (laughs) dude looks like
2: yeah Senate says one nurse saw him and first thought he was a homeless man or drunk or something. As she got closer, she saw that he was bloody, and then he disappeared.
1: Huh.
2: <laughs> but they said the ghost is seen wearing a cowboy hat and old style clothing um and it it's like something from a long, long time, like maybe fifty or seventy five years in the past would be the event that this would be tied to uh, according to, uh, according to Richard Sennett.
1: Mm.
2: So pretty neat, you know, but this last one, this this last one, it, it takes the cake. Let me tell you. So there is supposedly an evil dwarf at the, uh, at the Oxnard shores. Okay. Now is this folklore? Okay. Is it, Complete fiction? Who knows? People have claimed to have seen a small man with a hunchback who is supposed to bring uh, evil luck to people, according to Senate. Okay,
0: Evil luck, huh?
2: Evil luck, yeah. Evil luck means you're lucky, but it's evil.
1: Yeah, you're lucky in the pursuits of evil.
2: Uh, Maybe. So he says there's a figure that looks like a character out of some game or something. Pointed ears, a little short man with a hunchback. He said, in fact, when he was first sighted, people thought it was just a little person walking around at night. But when he started knocking on people's windows and leering, they became more suspicious.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And what if it is just a little person and they're dressing up like this to freak people out?
1: That's a it good point. Be. Yeah. It could
2: be. I kind of doubt it, but, um, but I thought that was great. You know, they got an evil, an evil dwarf, uh, at Oxnard shores.
1: Yep. Now that makes me want to know of everything that we've talked about. That's the one that I want to know if somebody's seen. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been out at Oxnard shores and seen the evil dwarf that's out there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I want to know that too. But, uh, Senate goes on to say, according to the National Directory of Haunted Places by Dennis William Hawk, the ghost of Rudolph Valentino is said to pace the veranda of his 1921 Oxnard Beach house. Hmm. Okay, um, and and there have been several sightings of Rudolph Valentino's ghost, um, but they said their uh, caretakers of the area have reported, um. Doors opening by themselves, doorknobs turning, uh, hearing footsteps, and let's see. They said the the odd thing was is that the 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 dogs don't seem to really notice it or care. Hmm. So it's it's almost like they're used to it.
1: Yeah. That
2: could, yeah. That's it could what he be said. So
1: so frequent that they just. Pay it no mind now.
2: Yeah, nothing. Nothing surprising. Uh, it's just their, you know, their, their owner walking through the house. Says now the last person to publicly acknowledge seeing uh, the ghost of Rudolph Valentino was Tobacco heir Doris Duke and her butler Bernard Lefferty, who saw him on multiple occasions between the nineteen fifties and the nineteen eighties. Now, according to Miss Duke. His appearances became less frequent as her time drew on. Now, uh, Doris Duke passed away in 1993 and the house itself was tragically leveled in 2006. Now, some remnants still exist, but the house is still essentially lost. Um, Nobody has reported Valentino's ghost on the property since that time. Um, But it's, it's interesting to note that that was going on there in Oxnard, and then you mentioned Rudolph Valentino yep. um, early on. So it, it's just it's just another one of those oddities that I came across that looking into a haunted house in Oxnard, California.
1: Well, see, and it's weird because you don't think of, at least I don't, and like I said, not a California native, so maybe it's different for people in California, but I don't think of Oxnard as being a, a haunted city or having multiple no. haunted locations. Uh uh-uh. uh. And and no. so it was it was cool that we came across stuff like that despite the lack of information on the Henry House, we found out information that just as interesting. Hey, Oxnard is haunted. Got a few places that's haunted. So yeah. that's that's pretty cool to me. You you got an evil dwarf and a dude that's been hit by a train. <laughs> right. And Yeah.
2: And you know, some of them may just be, you know, cool legends. And you know what? That's okay. I wouldn't expect it to come out of there either. Right. Um, but you know, if we've got some listeners that are in and around the Oxnard, California area and you've heard any of these stories, let us know. That'd be great. If you they have do. any any familiarity with the Henry Levy house let us know um we would love to know and like i said we're we're gonna kind of follow this uh and who knows in another year or two we may be doing another show about all the things that that Jeff and Eric have uh accumulated as far as paranormal activity or going on in that house if yeah crazy maybe happens. even sooner yeah um we'll just we'll keep an eye on it and see um but like like we said, you know, let us know if, if you have anything that we left out, uh, and the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Uh, just go on Facebook, search Graveyard Tales, you will find it. It is called the Graveyard, and it is thousands of of loyal graveyard members who post every day, everything from uh, haunted experiences to you know weird crazy things that have happened to them, jokes. Um, We've even had some people ask for help dealing with haunted situations. Uh Um, It's a safe place. No one's going to make fun of you. We just want to hear these great stories. You can check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com, and there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show or you can become a patron and Adam laid out, uh, all the, all the things that we have available, uh, for our patrons, bonus episodes, video, um, you know, unedited, uh, unedited shows, ad free shows. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, so please go check it out. We thank you to everyone who has donated to the show. So for, uh, I don't know, that's it for Oxnard, but man, Uh, (laughs) who saw that coming? I didn't. (laughs) Not me. Until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.